At long last, I am able to say a few words of my own. Read my lips. Government is not the solution to our problem. Senator, good morning again in America. Well, look, Big Bird. Yes, we can. Government is the problem. Welcome, everybody, to a liberal and a conservative walk into a bar. My name is Matt, and I'm a liberal. My name is Tim. I'm a conservative. Thank you so much for joining us. Be sure and check out our website at libcon.podbean.com. We're in the iTunes store. We're in the Google Play store. We're on Stitcher. Uh, you can find us on Twitter. I'm at libcon. Matt. Tim is at libcon. Tim. You can buy Tim's book on Amazon. It's called Things I Want. Uh, well, we're going to talk about the NCAA tournament tonight because that's going on. Uh, and I, I don't I don't care about anything else. Um uh, this is one of my favorite sports days. This is my favorite sports day of the year. Today and tomorrow were the two best sports days ever. And someday I'm going to have enough vacation time to just say the hell with work and, and stay home and watch basketball all day for, you know, 48 hours straight. Oh, that sounds great. That's I will not, join you. I know, right? But that's not this year, and I didn't get to do that. And tonight we're going to do this thing uh, while the tournament's going on because, you know what, Trump released a budget and we got to talk about it. So... Uh, we're yeah, gonna, we do. We're we're gonna talk budgety things. Uh, we're gonna do a little follow up to our our a h c a Trump care Ryan care GOP care whatever you want to call it conversation, uh, and then we'll just kind of see what else we have time for. So um, it, yeah, I a big couple of days actually. This week was looking kind of thin until like. I don't know, four o'clock this afternoon, right? Then it exploded. Yeah, then it kind of blew up. So uh, there, there was, there was. Did you see the on on on? Uh, did you see the, the 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 press conference briefing with 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 uh, with 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 spicy? I don't. I, I don't like watching spicy. Yeah, I, 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 I do when he, when he does his weekly spot on SNL. I like it. Uh, yeah, that one's really good. I don't know why he doesn't do it more like that. Yes. Right, well, you know, and it's really more, you know, just and just to touch on the 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 doubling down the wiretap and everything. They're still to, they're still insisting that this is not that that this is yes, this is this is a thing, and and no, it doesn't matter that the whole thing was no, that's not what the all of the entire intelligence community said. They said something entirely different, and of course, Donald Trump still believes that you know. Obama tapped his wires or whatever. It was it was it was insane. There's this great six minutes long exchange between Jim Acosta and uh, Sean Spice. I don't generally watch this stuff, but it was it was literally like I thought the Saturday Night Live thing was an exaggeration. I don't think it is. Yeah, just the gum, just the gum, just the gum. Everything Slowly. else is right. <laughs> and his podium doesn't actually like power him through crowds or anything. But it's never seemed. Good. No, I, I mean, the wiretapping thing's ridiculous. Ryan, even Ryan has come out and said, no, there was no wiretapping. And then Trump even admitted, like, here, I had my little conspiracy theory that maybe Trump was privy to things and it was going to, you know, he was trying to discredit some larger. No, he he saw it on the news. <laughs> God damn well, But there's it. more that's going to come out. And when he said tapped wires, he didn't really mean wiretapping. Wiretapping does not mean wiretapping. Yeah, it was like, in quotes. It was in quotes. Yeah, oh, it's, just a larger surveillance. And why aren't you talking about the New York Times? And anyway, uh, so the CBO was not impressed uh, with 
with with the with the the uh they were they 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 were Michaela to to Trump's Olympic ceremony, uh I think. Um, so I, I mean, the gist of it was, you know, you, they, a lot of, they figured that by 2018, about 14 million people who are currently insured will have dropped their insurance. Uh, it's not that, you know, billions and billions of people that I think a lot of the liberal media has said that they said, but, uh, you know, I mean, I, the, the, this honestly, this healthcare bill seems dead right now. Uh, from the, even even Ryan doesn't seem all that impressed by it anymore. What what do you what 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 do you what do you the, the, it doesn't look good, right? Well, I, I mean Ryan's just saying that you know there may need to be some adjustments based on the CBO's report, but I, I, I I'm sorry, I, I think that um, the White House Budget Director Mike Mike Mulcavney Mike Mulcavney. Mulcahy. Mike, is that really it? Mulcahy? No, no that's that was right. on MASH. That was Sorry. MASH. Mul- yeah, they're easily. Budget you know, director Mike had had a good, he had a good point in that, I mean, the CBO's thing, one, I mean, the CBO highlighted that there would be enormous savings under the Trump plan. Um, and it did say that they believed that the market would stabilize under the legislation uh, or under the current law, which is a, a you know a necessary caveat to make sure it just gets in there. I mean, it basically said that the market would stabilize on, under either one. Um, and then they come around to the idea that 14, they're estimating uh, 14 million, I think they said, would lose coverage uh, by 2018. Um, but Budget Director Mike makes a good point in that the CBO is very good at counting numbers, but they've already demonstrated that when it comes to guessing how many people are going to be insured, the numbers get a little foggy. Case in point, they estimated that at this point, there would be double the number of people insured than there actually are through the marketplace um, insurance. So, I, I don't think that this needs to be a death knell, uh, but unfortunately, it, it sounds like some people are turning against it. Now, some are turning against it because of the Medicaid cuts, right? So they want to put they want to put Medicaid on block grants, which is a very Republican idea. It's an idea that I support. Um, but some states, especially those who took the Medicaid expansion, are speaking out against it. Uh, Senator Joe is speaking out against it, which is not, you know, that's not good. Senator Joe is one of the ones, is one of the Democrats that Republicans really need to have on their side, and he's speaking out against it. So it doesn't look good, but I think I think there's still a chance, and I stand by my statement that the bill needs to be passed. Well, but I mean, how? Okay, so here's I I, I understand what you're saying. And with the bill needing to be passed or because I I do think changes need to happen, but I don't, I still don't think these are the changes that needed to be happen and that need to happen. And optically, I, I, I don't like a lot of what this presents because on, on one hand you've got, to me, this is a lot of, it's a lot of conservatives trying to have it both ways. They want to cut the budget, but then they want to cut taxes too. And they don't want to, 
they don't ever end up balancing anything out when it comes down. It's like with the budget, with Trump's budget. I, I, I don't see that this does anything about this great big deficit thing that they were so uh, uh, high on for ages. Uh, it doesn't balance things out, and neither really does this. They They got, by getting rid of the mandate, you get rid of the balancing point. And then they cut out money that was supposed to pay for a bunch of this by cutting out tax hikes on wealthier people. And then they take money out of the poorest pocket because they try to spread out these uh, subsidies. So you've got taxes on the wealthy going, going down by significant amounts, by in some cases saving them anywhere from one to $200,000 a year, depending on what you make. And then you've got money that had been going to people at the lower echelon of things coming, coming out and then being spread out more across people who probably don't may or may not need it, but it's, I'm not saying they don't, but you're still pulling money out of lower income people's pockets that was intended to pay for their healthcare. And supposedly spreading it out across the spectrum, but then you're lowering all these other taxes over here. And then you're also getting rid of the mandate that was going to not just encourage, but effectively provide a, 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 a balancing point for the entire plan so that more people would be insured of getting in to these things. So all of the checkpoints and the money that they insisted on that we, that the Democrats insisted on getting in Republicans are pulling out. So they're just sort of yanking at strings and not keeping in any of the things that acted as leverages. And I don't, I don't think that's responsible at all. And those are reasonable concerns, right? Um, and the, the response on the Republican side is going to be that this is just the first step, right? That because of the way... Things have evolved with the filibuster and the need to have a 60-person proof vote um, in the Senate. This first part, there's no chance for us to get, you know, the 60, the 60, the 60 number with some massive large bill that does all the things you're talking about, right? So they're gonna do it in parts. So this is the first part. And then the next part is going to be making some of the adjustments that you're talking about in actually changing some of the extra regulations that the ACA put in that are part of the reasons why premiums have risen so much. And they feel confident that they can get those done individually with the 60, with the, through the 60 person votes. Um, and they're also confident that they can do a lot of those things through administrative action. So you are correct that if all they want to do is this one thing, then we would be in a lot of trouble because you can't just make the cuts without actually fixing the things that are causing premiums to spike. Um, but like them, I am optimistic of our ability to get some of those other things passed once this is done, I, I don't I, and, the, and the reason I'm skeptical and I think it's a good, healthy reason to be skeptical is that these are the same people that had eight years to agree on a health care bill. 
and couldn't manage to do it. And they actually still haven't managed to do it because there's a lot of Republicans that don't like this bill. So what they're saying is we had all that time to put a bill together after spending eight years talking shit about what was trying to get done to try to fix a problem. Couldn't do anything but talk shit about it. Didn't actually present any real unified opposition plan. When they had the opportunity, still couldn't get one together, still haven't gotten one together, and they want us to say, well, don't worry, we're going we're gonna to do that other stuff too. All the while cutting the Health and Human Services Department by, what, 12%, 13%, some, somewhere in there? That, that's, that's the Health and Human Services is getting hit hard too by the new budget. So I, I don't know. I, I mean, I hear what you're saying, but I don't trust it. So... And I, I don't know that there's any way to make, make me trust it unless someone can come back and, and outline for me exactly why these steps need to happen now. And when this is done, we're going to take these steps. Now, I don't know what those steps are because I, no one's lined them out for me. So whatever these magic steps are, they have that will fix this other stuff. Well, I mean, they have outlined what, what a number of those are. Um, and in regards to your first point, the the uh, the the fear the 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 issue would be obstruction from the Democratic Party, right? So Democrats don't want this to happen. So if they tried to put forth everything on one lump bill and actually get it passed with bipartisan support, it probably it wouldn't happen. But once they pass this first part, they feel like they can get bipartisan support on the individual things like. Um, using healthcare, allowing uh, state health insurances to sell insurance across state lines. They feel comfortable they can get that passed. Why not start there, though? Why not add that into the existing infrastructure? Maybe go about this the other way. You know, because if you brought that in, just leave it as it is. Leave it alone. And start introducing those individual things to try to take steps to balance out the market a little bit. Why not go about it that way? That seems a lot smarter to me. And it seems like the kind of thing that, you know, if you just, if you, if they just shut up, drop the failed bill, drop the Obamacare, the whatever, and just said, okay, you know what? We're going to go and take care of the state lines thing. Nothing else. We're just going to leave everything else alone. We're going to do that because we think that'll start to fix it and then find a few other little things and see what happens. What would be wrong with that approach? Well, the fact that we believe that Obamacare is fundamentally flawed and we want to make those changes. Did the CBO, because I read the CBO the same way that the the CBO's report the same way that that Vox article that I sent you that was, which was that, and I, I thought it was pretty clear, that they believe that the market will balance itself out. If left alone, the ACA, the if they leave the ACA as is and don't touch it, that the market will balance itself out. Is that, is that, is that, is that how you read that? Well, it'll balance itself out as long as the government continues to pay for the super high premiums for lower incomes. So my understanding from that article was not that premiums would see this sudden drop, right? It was that premiums would level out high where they are and that this would not hurt low-income Americans 
because the government would simply be picking up the tab. And for Republicans, that's not acceptable. And they think they can just lower the premiums naturally without the government pick up the tab? Correct. That is what we're confident we'll be able to do. And not only lower premiums, but also lower deductibles, right? So, you know, there are plenty of there are examples out there of people who maybe could afford the premiums thanks to government subsidies, but then their deductibles were like, you know, $12,000 a year, which is insane. So, I mean, that's the thought process. Is it perfect? No. Do you have every right to be skeptical and concerned? Yes. But I would have been skeptical. I was skeptical of Hillary Clinton's idea that she could come in and make tweaks and adjustments to Obamacare to get a fit. Well, what were what were those tweaks? What were the what were you going to do? And I was just supposed to trust that she would be able to do it. So I mean, not you know, neither party is really outlined perfectly. You know, you, we talk about the Demo- you know, the Republicans didn't have a perfect plan, didn't come up with a healthcare plan over these eight years. Okay, well Democrats never came up with a way to fix the issues that Obamacare has that they all spent that they spent all of the election admitting that it had. So, I, well, I mean that's there, fair, there, but the Democrats no, lost. The Republicans are the ones that actually have to do it now. Right, we won. We have to do it. This is the first step, and they've outlined what are the next steps to come. Here we go. I mean, you know, if if Hillary had won and she still hadn't laid out what specifically she wanted to try to get done, well, then I would be then I'd be harping on Hillary, but you know. I, it's, that's not quite how it shook out. So, um, anyhow, okay. Budget stuff. So Trump released yes. his budget today. Now it, it, it's, it's worth pointing out before any major freakouts go on is that this is, this is a proposal. Okay. It's more of a, it, it is more, it is more of an interesting factoid to a certain extent, because he's not going to get this word for word. It, it won't go down like that. In fact, there's already a lot of fighting going on about it. And this is not how these things go down. But the one thing that I will say, on the other hand, to people that are, are pointing that out is that, you know, this is not Republicans and the Republicans on the Hill and Trump were always far apart on health care. The stuff that, that Trump was talking about during the campaign from a health care standpoint was not what a lot of Republicans have said over the years. So there was some distance there and there were reasons to be skeptical as to why the two camps were going to be a, a bit at loggerheads. And I do think they are uh, over the, the, the healthcare issue, but on budget stuff, a lot of this, this is the kind of stuff that frankly, I mean, this is the sort of, this is, this, 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 these, these are Republican wet dreams. They've been going after the EPA and big bird since I was in high school. So, uh, you know, this is the kind of thing that, that, you know, makes Newt Gingrich giggle in the middle of his sleep. So, uh, you know, and me, I'm giggling, there's giggling and like excitement and like, you know, um, yeah, but I mean, isn't this, we're all moist over here. (laughs) (laughs) First of all, ew, sorry, I didn't make any jokes about Newt jizzing when he saw this. Okay. I thought about it and I didn't do it. You know, because again, well, ew. He probably did. Like, <laughs> I, I mean, th- this is, this is word for word like what I talked about last week. Of that, you know, when we talk about deregulation and we have to start talking about cutting 
whole programs and departments, and he's doing exactly that. So, I mean, I don't like a lot of what Trump does. I think that's been pretty clear. But this, I am jazzed. I don't know, man. I mean, you know, be careful. I mean, this is the, to me, this is be careful what you wish for. Because there's a lot of important things that, that are that are a part of this that the idea that you would be giddy, that anyone would be giddy over cut it. Meals on Wheels is in here. Meals on Wheels. How can you be excited about cutting fucking Meals on Wheels? Really? Meals on Wheels. Jesus Christ. The, uh, there's a lot, of, a lot of the planning and pre-disaster budget for FEMA is in here and is scheduled to get cut. 32% out of the EPA. That's massive. Uh, just about all climate change development, any research into that is being completely cut out. He's whacking out the NIH in a lot of ways. So a lot of the CDC's budget is going to go away. A lot of the things that we talk about as being very real challenges that we weren't ready to meet anyway. From a standpoint of whether or not we can fight off these super bacteria that are suddenly uh, coming out uh, our disaster responsibilities. Um whether or not there are actual climatey things going on uh, that we still don't have any consensus about and need to be looking into, uh, we're just not going to do any of that anymore. We're just done. Um, the Appalachian Regional Commission uh, is being completely cut out of the budget. Now, those people, man, that's, that's one thing that I'm telling you, people in Appalachia are not going to be celebrating. Uh, because they have put a lot of money into trying help, trying to help Appalachia come back uh, over the last several years. Um, and it's the kind of thing that Obama actually tried to get more funding for. Um, but they wanted to, you know, they want to cut it. So, you know, it, it this, this kind of thing hits is going to hit a lot of people that are really supporting Donald Trump. It's going to hit them right where they live, you know. And by the way, you can't say you're fucking cutting Big Bird because HBO's got Big Bird. So bite me. Big Bird lives. Big Bird lives on, Mitt. Look, so, uh, I mean, look, I'm know. sorry. So this is. So, all right. There's going to be some individual things in here that for me, I'll go. Oh, are we going to cut that one? You know, um, but and there. So, so yes. So there will be individual things like that for me, like, like climate change, right? So this is a very large issue type thing. So I can see where you could make the argument. This would be in the federal government's purview, right? So, okay, maybe, but in general, the, a lot of these things are stuff that even the Appalachian area one, right? So this is near and dear to my heart as well. But is that the federal government's responsibility? Is that something that the federal government needs to be paying for? And I would argue no. The Apple, the Appalachian areas are the responsibility of those states. And they need to be working to fix those things. What happens with all of these different little government agencies that crop up to handle this issue and that issue and this issue, they end up being redundant and repetitive. And so he's going through and he's cutting them out because either they're redundant or they're not within the federal government's purview. And so obviously I'm not, no, I'm, no one's ever going to be excited about, you know, Meals on Wheels disappearing, but Meals on Wheels doesn't have to disappear. 
right? The purpose of Meals on Wheels is providing meals for the elderly, right? This is an aspect of that's right. Poverty. The corporations will just pick it up, right? No, when we're done, because you know that's that's what this happens. is. Time, an I can aspect. see it now. Time Warner is going to pick up Meals on Wheels. You're right. This is an aspect of poverty, right? How do we and how do we take care of uh, the poor and the vulnerable? And we have major issues as Republicans. We have major issues with how this is done. Because unfortunately, a lot of these little things are hard to sort out. Are there no prisons? Are there no prisons? Are there no workhouses? No. When you have all of these, this this little agency is going to help with this aspect of being poor. And this little agency is going to help with that aspect of being poor. And this little agency is going to help with that aspect of being poor. As someone who has been poor and has had to navigate all of these different little agencies, it's annoying as hell. And we would be far better off with a streamlined program. And that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to get rid of all of the little agencies so that they can go, so a poor person can go to one place. Whatever their needs are, they go to one place and they handle it. And it's the state's responsibility to have that place for them. That's that that's 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 all very good. And I like that. That's a neat idea in in theory. But here okay. Here's the the two problems that I see with that idea. One, states don't do shit. States haven't done shit for years. States are the laziest, most entitled bloated, irritating, stupid entities on the planet. States are worthless for the most part. States were the ones that were insisting they wanted to handle the healthcare problem forever. States are the ones that cry every time the Repub- the, the federal government says, oh, we're going to do something about the healthcare thing, and they never did. And then when they finally got around to doing something about it, there were the states just grabbing for money and saying, oh, good, we get money to deal with this now. States don't fix problems. The federal government exists to fix problems when the states abdicate their ability to do anything. And that's all states do is abdicate their ability to do anything. So that's problem number one. Problem number two is that I'm all for streamlining. And I like the idea of streamlining. But this, like every other Republican plan I ever hear, when it comes to, oh, we want to streamline, no, you want to cut. They go around and they cut and they cut and they cut and they cut and they cut, but they don't actually offer any plans for streamlining. It's like the Democrats in reverse. Democrats come around and they go, oh, we're going to streamline by throwing money at the problem. So we just chuck money at it, but we never streamline and things just sort of go and get big and bloated and over overpriced. Republicans, in this case, again, he wants to cut. That's fine. And he wants to streamline. Again, I see the cuts, but I don't see the streamlining. And I don't see any plan for making things function better. And what I'm afraid is going to happen is what always happens when we do these kinds of cuts. We go around and we cut, and then just shit doesn't get looked at anymore. We just don't bother because no one's, because the federal government's not funding it. There are no agencies to fix the problems. Then the problems just explode. 
And nobody's actually, again, no one is sitting down trying to fix problems. It's either pour money into it or take money out. And those are the only two things we seem to know how to do. And I, again, if he had come up with a way of this is how we're going to streamline, that would be one thing. But this is just cut, 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 cut. And it doesn't impress me at all. Well, the idea with the streamlining and all that stuff, a lot of that is a matter of giving, which you probably won't like, is the idea of giving states the ability to innovate and make things happen. So you look at Medicaid and the idea of block granting. So instead of giving money, just handing money, handing money over money over money, what we're going to do is we're going to give states X number of dollars and we're going to remove the regulations around how they handle that money and say, you guys know your people, you handle this money as you think it needs to be handled. And when we talk about the states, we, we are the state. I have far more influence over the Kentucky Assembly and Governor Bevin than I have over President Trump and the Republican Congress. But unfortunately, we as the American people, we're the ones who have abdicated. We have either stepped out politics completely or ignored state politics and have only concerned ourselves with the federal government. So what we as Republicans are calling for and fighting for is trying to flip-flop that and giving the power back to the states. And by giving power back to the states, giving power back to the people in those states. But then the state governments come back and states are constantly insisting that their governments are too big. And they have to continue to cut things and cut programs and cut funding and cut money all over the place. But you can you have a better chance of changing your state than you do the federal government. So you want your state to do something? Dive in. Start making some phone calls. And I'm guilty of this, right? I know that my congressman, my House Representative Congressman is Andy Barr. I know that I got Senator Rand Paul and I got Senator Mitch McConnell. My state House Representative is Susan something. And that's wrong. That is not the way it's supposed to be. I should have those people on speed dial. And we as their American people need to stop complaining about how, oh, look at how they handle this. They don't do anything. They don't fix it. And we need to dive in and get involved. Do you want your state not to cut things? Great. Start making phone calls. Run for something. Well, I mean, Kentucky wasn't a state that cut things. Kentucky was a state that was trying to innovate and trying to take advantage of of uh, of, of the opportunities that were at least were provided by at least by the ACA initially, uh, and no, not so much. You know, and, and not again, at all. Now we have now we have a very. I like Governor Bevin's Medicaid plan. I think it's fantastic, and it's very innovative. And I think it's exactly along the lines of what we do need. Absolutely. And he cut out Connect, which was, was a redundant program because the federal government had created its own health insurance exchange. I don't know, man. I mean, I, you know, but this, this is, this is, this is what I've been given to work with. And there are a lot of things about this that concern me. So why? All right. I mean, but this, uh, you've, you've said that this budget, you know, I mean, I, I don't know. Why is this not? Why is this always the approach? I guess is the thing. This is just, I, I mean, I, I, this is a little frustrating in the sense that, you know, this is, all these cuts are great. 
Well, okay, but some of this stuff is, you know, I, I just, again, I don't have any reason to believe that the states are going to pick up the slack. A lot of the reason that the federal government picked this up is because the states, again, abdicated and just weren't fixing the problems. No, I think a lot of the reasons why a lot of these things got picked up is because little senators and little congressmen wanted to have their little pet projects that would get them reelected. That's that's what I think. And, so, and now, but you're right about to an extent, you, you are right that sometimes the federal government has had to step in. But I think the federal government has taken those sometimes and has made that the default. And some of these projects may even be very good, right? Like I served in AmeriCorps, right? I, I did this. However, the Corporation for National and Community Service, uh, which is the agency that's best known for the AmeriCorps Community Service Program, is given... At least according to what I'm reading on CNBC, $771 million a year. Look, I like community service as much as the next man. But $771 million a year? All right, I don't like it that much. That's what, that's the sort of thing I'm talking about. Well, but I mean, is it necessary to eliminate it completely? I think so. Because that's, well, I mean, but because I mean, that's a big jump. <clears throat> You know, I mean, you're right. They get too much, but you don't think AmeriCorps is in any way necessary. It does nothing good. Sure, it does something good, but is it worth that much money? No, and and I would say no. Just cut it, and and I would I would say no. Just just get rid of it. It's a nice program. It's cute. It does some good, but you know what? That that money is is better spent elsewhere. Uh, I.e., by the people's hard-earned money instead of having them having to give it over in taxes, they can keep it and spend it how they see fit. Um, I love public television as much as the next person, but half a million, half a billion dollars. Ah, I I don't know if I, I don't know if I like it that much. Um, yeah, you know, you know, I mean all these things. And then again, then this is a, a prime example of the sort of thing that I would say that's really more of a state issue is the legal services core. So $366 million dollars. Uh, to an organization that helps provide free civil legal advice to poor people. Absolutely worthy, noble cause, but I, I think the federal government has stepped way out of its purview there. I, 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 I mean, I'm, I'm not necessarily, it's hard for me to argue that point, but at the same time, these are not, you know, I, I, I think cutting all this stuff entirely is just irresponsible. I'm, I'm sorry, I do. And it also doesn't, you know what? I, the one thing that I can't find that I need uh, that I do need some clarification on is, uh, you know, where how how does this affect? Because this does not balance the budget. They cut all this shit, and where where what happened? What happened? What happened to the deficit? What happened to balancing the budget? What happened to you know how how much of the how much of these longer term problems does this actually solve? I don't think that much. Because of what he's increased, uh, defense spending, homeland security, veterans affairs, obviously, I think needed a boost. So I have no problem there. But, uh, you know, you've increased on all, all told. This is all to increase those three things, which got spending hikes of in the neighborhood of $54 billion, uh, as I heard. So well, the fifty-four billion for all three, or just I thought it was fifty-four billion just for. I think it might have been fifty-four military. just for just for defense. Yeah. So, which you know, it is worth noting is not that much more than what Obama proposed. 
Well, I'm I'm not I'm not getting angry no, about it. No, a, but no, and that and that's a shot at Republicans who go on and on about Obama destroying the military and blah 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 blah. Yeah, which Here was comes bullshit. Trump which with was putting in all this money towards the military. Obama wanted to put in very close to the same amount of money towards the military. Not quite yeah. as much, but he wanted to put a lot. Now, I will stand by the increase for the military. And the need to make these cuts that are outside of the federal government's purview in order to put money towards what is very much the federal government, one of the federal government's primary responsibilities, which is to keep our country as a whole safe. And with Russia making noise, China making lots of noise, North Korea making lots of noise, and oh yeah, terrorism and ISIS. I, I think there's definitely room for saying, all right, we need to we need to we need to put some extra money into the military. Um, but I will wholeheartedly agree with you on, you know, for example, the wall uh, and would much prefer to see our deficit cut than to see all of this extra money thrown at border and immigration security. And at the same time, cutting out taxes that don't actually assist people on the ground. There's no, uh, you know, all of these tax cuts are just really just tax cuts that he's proposing uh, that, w- again, will effectively benefit the wealthy. They don't really benefit anybody below, uh, you know, the one to $200,000 a year tax or really 200000 I think, is, is more or less the cutoff. Anybody above 200000 is going to get a lot of extra money, but the rest of us, nah, probably not so much. I guarantee you it's not, and it will change nothing for me uh, or you um, or probably anyone else that we know uh, from a standpoint of money. So, you know, the, the, this, where the, where this helps, because a lot of these, these things are that you say are not responsible for, you know, you have you have a president who effectively was elected by going around and telling everybody that uh, telling a lot of poor white people that no one cared about them anymore and that he was going to take care of them. So he's going to take care of them by doing absolutely nothing on their taxes by pulling money out of their pockets that were intended to fix their health care and by cutting a whole truckload of programs that are intended to help them out. That's his plan. That's how he's going to help out these poor folks. I argue with me. Well, and wait for it. No. And, and, and you're right. Wait for the States to pick up the slack. All right. Well, I mean, one, let's not forget that I, don't really agree with a lot of what Trump taught. Like, like I'm any, any poor people who voted for Trump thinking that he was their friend and he was there. I've never subscribed to this. They never should have believed that in the first place whatsoever. Right. Just no, shouldn't have. Um, and you are absolutely correct that a lot of the tax cuts that he puts forth, the one that just leaps out at me is the, the estate tax, Right which is nothing but a massive uh, tax cut for the wealthy and helps to ensure income inequality and all of these sorts of things. Um, but some tax cuts are good. I, you know, I mean, he's talked about, he's talked about the 
cutting the corporate tax, which I am a huge fan of. Has he um, actually proposed that? Is that in this budget? That I'm not sure of. Like I honestly, I, I, I saw it. I saw all of the tax cuts. I saw all of the program cuts, but I actually haven't gotten a chance to see. Go over the tax cuts with me. What are the specific tax cuts? No, I don't. I, he released those a few weeks back. I don't. I don't have those right in front of me. Oh, okay. Well, then we're both just useless and talking out of our ass at this point, I guess. Then, so what? What tax cuts for the wealth are you talking about then? Well, the estate tax was one. That's definitely been proposed. Right, but is that um, in this budget any more than the corporate tax? As far as I know, yeah. I don't know. It sounds to me like maybe we don't. Maybe we don't. Maybe maybe we don't know about this for sure. So I mean, like that's the you know I guess maybe that's that's one that we should save save for next week to go through some of the actual tax cuts because I can't I can't dispute what you're saying because I don't have that in front of me. But nor can you give me specifics about all of these tax cuts for the wealthy. He was going to drop the overall uh, the overall tax rate. The top ta- tax bracket is going to go down. From 39 to 33. Right. That was in his big that's, initial that's, thing when yeah, he was on the campaign that's, trail. That's, 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 well, that was that's, something that's, he's talking about. That's the about. last tax plan that I saw. And, and, and none of, right. Okay. Of well, that, and that so in that, that was, same that was tax released, plan. That was released post-election Okay. Uh, and post his inauguration. So he's going to drop right. that by 6%. I think he's going to drop the estate tax. Uh, but I, I looked at where my... My tax, which I am firmly around the mid range and where me and everybody else below mine would effectively not change. Okay. Wouldn't go down, wouldn't go up, but it wouldn't go down. And actually people making like 24,000 less 24,000 or less. were going to go up by like two tenths of a percentage point or something like that. So, Again, optics. You got to drop it down on the people that put in the most and then do nothing for effectively for the people who actually could use a little tax relief. Okay. So, let, so I, I guess let me be really clear about all of this. Like I support what he's doing with the cutting of a lot of these, these agencies, right? That I would say many of which are either redundant or, or not within the federal government's purview. I am not, and I agree with the idea of increased money for military spending, and I might agree with increased money for the Department of Veteran Affairs, but I'm probably more just, I'm more of a fan of the privatization of that, so not not sure. Um, But I am not supportive of a lot of the tax cuts that he's talked about. I'm a huge fan of the cutting the corporate tax, but I am not a huge fan of a lot of these other tax cuts. So you are absolutely right to look askance on the idea of cutting taxes for the wealthy. Um, The wealthy already enjoy some of the lowest tax rates in the history of the United States. And we should be focused on fixing our deficit and tackling our debt rather than on cutting taxes for those in the upper echelon. Wholeheartedly well, agree with you. And, and, and that's, let's and keep that's, those taxes and cut these programs. 
That's my point. If, if if we were talking about leaving a lot of the personal tax rates effectively in place, maybe dropping mine a couple of percentage points, because I really don't, con- <laughs> I, I really don't contribute anywhere near that much as, say, Donald Trump did in 2005. Thank you, Rachel Maddow, for that prick tease of an announcement. Um, but uh, you cut programs, cut taxes. These things don't balance out to me, and that's the problem that is, that is the consistent part of the conservative ideology that never equals out to me. You have to continue to cut services because we can't spend money because we just don't have enough money to spend it. But then you want to cut down the money that we're bringing in at the same time. So it, it doesn't, it just never equals out. It's a lot like what I saw out of the AHCA. It's the same sort of thing. You're going to yank out that whatever the Obamacare to quote Obamacare taxes are. Those are not in the AHCA. So they've removed those, which is a huge break on people that are making a ton of money. So you're going to put money back in their pockets, take money out of the poor's pockets. So again, it's Robin Hooding in reverse. I, I can't get behind that. I just can't, you know, so Trump's taxes in 2005. Let's hit on this for a second. Did you did you see any of this? I mean, it did you all, care? No, it seemed pretty ridiculous to me. Right? I mean, who cared what he did in 2005? I don't give a crap what he did in 2005. Rich guy tried to pay less in taxes. And Woohoo! And, and he me. paid and he, he paid a lot in taxes. He made a lot of money. Donald Trump made a lot of money in 2005. He paid a lot in taxes. How was this news? Yeah. Now, I do want to see his full tax returns, and I do yes, think I he do. should release them, but this hardly seemed newsworthy. Yeah, that we're 11 years old. Tell 12 years old at this point. Good God. Yeah. Oh, my duh. That was just silly. So, I mean, is is there anything that got – I mean, seriously, none of, none of these things bother you? None of the – none of the cuts really bug you? Um – the only thing that could maybe kind of sort of bother me at some point is uh, I, I wasn't bothered by the specific cuts, at least from what I saw, the specific cuts were, were made to the EPA, right? I don't, I don't have the, the desire to cut the EPA that a lot of Republicans do, right? Uh, who what did Rubio call the Employment Prevention Agency? Like I, this is not my attitude towards the EPA. Oh, I'm not, that's cute. Marco made a funny. Wasn't that? I thought that was precious. Um, so I mean, that is not my attitude towards it. Now that said, I, I in, I'm, I'm not entirely sure on some of the climate change cuts. Right. So climate change is a very overarching issue. Right. This is you, you talk about there are things that can and should be left up to the states. And there are some issues that for the common good are just too big for states to handle on their own. And I think that climate change is one of them. So were the things that Trump that Obama was doing and, you know, trying to keep us up with the Paris Accords, the best way to go about this? I, I don't know if I can really speak to that. But in general, I do think the federal government needs to be putting money towards addressing the climate change issues. So I'm not 
jazzed about those cuts. But at the same time, I'm just pretty excited about the cuts in general, so I'm willing to cut a little bit of slack if there's one or two that I raise an eyebrow at. Well, I mean, and, but a lot of these things were working. That's what that's what bugs me is that, like, we were way ahead of meeting some of those goals that we had set. We talked about it a couple weeks back. There has been this push slowly but surely. There has been a, a proliferation of ideas coming out of the auto industry. It's not happening as fast as I would like it to, but... You know, we're, we're seeing more fuel-efficient cars out there. There's been uh, an emphasis on it within the auto industry to make it a sales point, to get people interested and understand that, the, you know, that having lower, uh, you know, low, more economical vehicles means that you, you know, you pay less for gas, which is good. It helps you out, um, you know, and, and, and. Uh, these are all things that can help the American consumer out, which again, helps drive industry. And the idea that the, that that's happened, that proliferation of things like hybrids and, and better, more fuel efficient cars happened because we started that push, you know, and along with, I think the gas price and gas spikes actually helped. Uh, with some people sort of going, oh shit, you know, this could be a real thing at some point. Cause I mean, I, I, re- I remember paying almost five bucks a gallon for gas, uh, eight, 10 years ago. Um, you know, uh, but now it feels like everybody's just coming and looked around and gone, well, we don't need to do that anymore. That wasn't working. That didn't, it didn't fix the problem overnight. It's not any good. We got to just cut it, get rid of all of it. So it's like, well, now we have to go take steps back again. And that's kind of depressing to me. Um, well, and I would be concerned about that. Like, like I said, when it, from an environmental standpoint, I, I think that is something that the federal government needs to be involved with. Um, so, I, but as I said, I, I'm overall very happy with the cuts. So, are there going to be a couple of things in here that maybe I raise an eyebrow at? Sure. But I'm gonna I'm willing to cut the slack. So and also, you know, when you talk about you know the American people and, and you know some of the things that we're doing, we're pushing uh, people to be more responsible and buy better cars. I, there, there's a part of me that's just frustrated and like, look, I drive nothing but Priuses, right? I, I people should do this. Go do this. Don't expect the government to do it for you. Go buy a more fuel-efficient car. It's good for you. It's good for the environment. Well, I don't know that the government is pushing necessarily pushing people, but I think the government has been encouraging the auto industry to put more research and time and uh, into it. And I think it's been a combination of I think it's I think it's been a combination of the government nudging a little bit and and the market pushing in that direction as well. I think it's been both, and I think it's been good, the combination of the two. Um, you know, uh, I don't I don't know that you could, I don't know. I mean, I guess the, some of the tax breaks for, you know, if you bought an electric car, you know, getting, what was that, like a $7,500 tax credit or something? If you bought yeah, a, you, you could get a lot. Uh, if you bought a, a Volt or whatever, 
I don't know. You know, again, I, I, I do think a lot of that's been a good thing, you know. So, I, you know, I don't know. Whatever. Like I said, like I said earlier, like I said when we started this, this is a blueprint. You know, we don't know how this is exactly going to go down, but you know, whatever it is, it's going to, you know, a lot of it is going to be the stuff of nightmares for liberals. So, you know, there you go. Uh, so let's shift gears for a minute and, and, and just dive into something that is squarely in your wheelhouse. Uh, I, I do before shift gears, I do want to make clear, like, I, I guess I've said this multiple times now. I, I am agreeing with you about the need for people to buy more fuel efficient cars and that there are ways that the government can encourage this, but no one, I don't, I don't think anyone likes the way I would look at it, which is just raise taxes on gasoline. You don't need to create all of these subsidies and different agencies and different set. We don't need to do all that. Raise taxes on gasoline. Done. We're finished. It worked on cigarettes. You know, it, it, it does. It works. So there you go. Problem solved, America. You're welcome. Let's move on to another one of my wheelhouse so I can fix it. There you go. <laughs> I don't know that this needs fixing. I just, it's, it's something we can have a quick talk, quick chat about. All right. I, you know, the, 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 the Pope supposedly made this big shift on at least the way the media was portraying it was as though this was this big Pope makes big shift on married clergy. Uh, as a lapsed Catholic, talking to a, a staunch Catholic, uh, I I did I don't know that I saw this was as was really all that big a shift from what has already been policy. Just sort of, it's not like he was ready to say, okay, all priests can get married. Uh, but it, it was a little bit of a a little bit of a maybe sort of a nudge more than a shift. I don't know what what uh, clear, clear this one up. Because if priests were suddenly allowed to get married worldwide, this would be a big deal. And I don't know that this is quite as big a deal as some people in the media made it out to be. Uh, I mean, man, it's really not. I mean, because Pope Benedict kind of talked about some of the same stuff. Um, you know, the the church began a discipline back in the 12th century uh, that, at least in the Latin church, uh, that um, priests would be celibate. It made sense at that time. Uh, and there's now the possibility in this day and age that it would make sense to remove that discipline uh, in some circumstances, uh, which would which really they already just, do, actually. which they already do. Right. That's what I was about to say, that it's really a matter of just expanding on what's already done. Right. So there are married priests here in America um, within the Latin rite of the church, uh, in the form of Anglican priests, right? So you're Anglican priest, you're married, you decide that you want to switch over to Catholicism, this is allowed, right? And it's actually true for any Protestant denomination. So it's more rare, but say a Methodist pastor switches over, he can, through the bishop of that diocese, potentially become a priest if he wants to and stay married. Uh, and most non-Catholics have probably have no idea what I'm talking about when I keep saying the Latin rite. There, there are multiple rites within the church. Uh, the Latin rite is the largest one, and that's the one that when you say Catholic, that's what everyone thinks of. Uh, but there's actually, I want to say, 13 different rites within the church. Uh, a lot of them are in the Eastern, the Eastern churches. Um, and uh, many of those actually do 
allow by Eastern their... he means Europe, not New York. Uh, and less Europe, more Asia e, uh, you know, but also yeah, Greece, North Africa, Middle Eastern, those sorts of rights. Um, for example, I went to seminary with a guy who, uh, if he moved back to Lebanon, could get married if he wanted to. So, it, and he was part of the Maronite, 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 right? So, uh, th- this is not some giant, huge deal if anyone's making it out to be. This, this, it's not. Because uh, all and all that the Pope was talking about, he wasn't even talking about across the board. He was talking about in certain areas where the priest shortage um, is really bad, right? So I, I met a missionary priest who he had to walk. Uh, I think he was in Papua New Guinea, and he had to walk to four different parishes, and it was about like a hundred miles stretch, right? So he just spent a lot of his time walking from one parish to another, right? So he could get around to say mass at each of them maybe once a month. So areas like that, the the Pope is saying, maybe we need to explore allowing married men to become priests. Man, that is a dedicated dude right there. It is. He was he was super fit. <laughs> I don't think anyone in our I don't think anyone listening to this does that much cardio. Right. Uh, <laughs> good God. Um, just, uh, why, so the, why does, why does this particular Pope seem to make a lot of, particularly conservatives, he seems to make a lot of people in conservative spheres mad. And I don't, I don't really get that. This is, this to me is a guy that, that is very, is it because he's less traditional or seems to be less traditional, I guess, than, uh, than some other popes maybe have been in, in our lifetime? Uh, you know, I mean, this is, this is, this is, this is, he, this is my third pope. You know, we had John Paul II and Pope Benedict and, and now Pope Francis. Uh, I have seen particularly conservative media really turn on this guy uh, a, a couple of times around. What, what is it about him that angers that it seems to anger people. Um, right, well, one, before I start talking, let's be clear that I, I'm a enormous Pope Francis fan, right? And a lot of the missionary As am work, I, actually. A lot of yeah, the missionary I'm work that I'm doing now is sort of inspired by him. You know, I quote him on a fairly regular basis. Great. As far as why would some conservatives dislike him, it would be because he's like a... It's kind of like Trump sometimes um, and that he just says stuff and is sort of off the cuff remarks and it just leaves you going, wait, wait, what? What is, wait, what does that mean? Does that mean so? And, and because sometimes some of the stuff he says can seems to contradict things and um, yeah. And, so it was the Pope that said it, the thing about the wiretaps. Yeah. He'll say it, and then there won't really be an explanation, and bishops and priests are are left to kind of wonder, what did that mean? (laughs) Like, did we just, did we just change, like... Are we Methodists now? It's like the papal version of the tweets, you know? Like, (laughs) is that now policy? Like, is that, is that, is that how this works now? Like, 
because he's the Pope. So we're supposed to be trying to do what he says. So, you know, I, I, I think that would be the that would be the concern uh, that he, he creates. He creates a lot of gray uh, with some of the stuff that he says. Yeah. Catholics um, don't like gray. We don't like gray. <laughs> so, and, and, and yeah, so it makes things a little, a little tricky sometimes for people. Okay. Um, but I, you know, I get I as annoyed that. with those conservatives as I get with, uh, as I got with liberals who would go after Pope Benedict. Um, and there, there seems to be a forgetting that he's our Pope. Um, this isn't a president. This isn't an elected official. Uh, this, this is our Pope and where we are expected to give a certain amount of deference and respect to him because of that. So, um, I've been disappointed by the behavior of some of my Catholic brethren in that respect. Well, that's fair. All right. Well, I think that's all we have. Have we, have we any, uh, has the Pope issued any budget cuts we need to go over? No, 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 no. I don't think so. So, all right. Fair enough. Well, uh, I, I believe that's our show. Would you, would, would you like to take us out with something cool? Yes. I found something uh, very cool that I loved uh, as, a, as a youth minister. Um, there is a high school uh, in uh, Boca Raton, Florida, the Boca Raton Community High School, in which a group of students started a club called We Dine Together. And basically, they roam around and find students who are eating by themselves and go sit down and start up a conversation and eat with them so that no one is left alone, which I thought was very cool. That is cool. These are high school students? These are high school students. I love high school students. (laughs) Said Said the high school teacher, an unbiased opinion. Right. <laughs> well, yes, that's 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 very cool. Even even kids can surprise you. That was awesome. All right, you sound really old. <laughs> when they're teenagers, they don't usually like it when you just call them kids. Although I do do that every now and then, but it's no, mi- it's minus the condescension. Uh, they're they're they're, <laughs> they're kids. <laughs> but they're kids. We got to let them be kids. That's 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 the point. So don't expect them to grow up too fast. So anyhow, all right. Well, that, uh, as I said, that's all we have. That's our show. Thanks so much for joining us. Check us out on Twitter. I'm at LibCon. Matt Tim is at LibCon Tim. We will look forward to talking to you soon. Have a great week.